Podcast Network Asia. This podcast is on a mission to end the orphan crisis. You're listening to Families the Answer, powered by Podcast Network Asia. We share resources and stories to equip families who plan to adopt and foster, empower advocates who fight for vulnerable mothers and children, and invite communities to impact generations. I'm Krina Kunahensen, the Executive Director for Generations Home, a nonprofit organization and licensed child placement agency based in the Philippines. Learn more about our work through our website, generationshome.org. Now, let's jump in to this week's topic. Hi, everybody. Welcoming you back to another episode of the Family is the Answer podcast. My name is Krina, and so glad that you're able to listen in to our biweekly podcasts um, where we provide resources that hopefully inform you um, on the various issues surrounding topics like adoption, um, foster care, caring for vulnerable children, and, and things like that, and also provide some inspiring stories. Um, but today, I'm very excited to share that I will not be hosting this podcast alone. The very beautiful Nikki Ebregar is with us. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Miss Krina. Hi. Really glad that you said yes to getting on our podcast. Nikki is actually interning with us. She is um, interning with our advocacy team and is currently leading a bunch of our social media campaigns and events that have been happening in the last couple of months. We feel really glad that she gets to be a part of what we're doing in this season. She's in her fourth year of college. Is that right? Yes. And tell us a little bit about what you're studying and, and, and what you're doing right now. Okay. So my course is development studies. And in, in nature, it's quite interdisciplinary because you learn about politics, you learn about economics, um, you learn about um sociology. So it's really quite diverse. Which is why, um, I mean, I feel like that's really showing up in having you as part of our team and a bunch of your other course mates as well from Ateneo that are from the same course and being able to intern with us. Yeah. Um, Is it your summer term right now? Yeah, it's our summer term. Okay, cool. And on top of that, Nikki is actually also a member of Tagon right now, but she actually also served as an officer um, in the last two years. Tell us a little bit about your experience with with Tagon and and what that was like for you. So I was a member wellness officer for two years. And basically, we were in charge of the, the wellness of the members. So we would have projects and, and um, initiatives that would cater to the wellness of all the members. Great. And I think it's because of Nikki's experiences with Dugon that we invited her to join me on this podcast episode where we talk a little bit about why you shouldn't visit orphanages. <laughs> probably caught your attention and probably the reason why you clicked on this episode and lis- decided to listen in on this podcast. Sounds a little controversial and we're here to explain a little bit more about what we mean. But before we do that, Nikki, maybe you could share with us a little bit about your earliest experiences with children's homes, orphanages, institutional care, basically, okay. um, for vulnerable children and what your initial thoughts were. All right. So in Tagon, one of our flagship projects is area visits. And the areas that we visit are um, ayan, like children's homes, um, facilities that cater to girls and babies that are survivors of sexual abuse and abandonment. And whenever we do have visits, or well, when, we, when I experienced visits, it was online lang. So um, they would be facilitated over Zoom, or we would prepare gift boxes that would have like play and learning materials that they could use. And, you know, 
an initial apprehension that I personally had is, um, okay, because it's online, will they even like participate? Will right. they even like the? This was in the uh, pandemic. Yeah, well, like, would they even like the? Um, activities or the games or the energizers that we would prepare and funnily enough it's us that has to catch up on their on their energy because they're so lively talaga. they're so they're so like gina g to participate in everything that we have prepared for them well that's really cool and i'm guessing you know this is, is basically so you're in college you're still, you're in university and you know you are thankfully given opportunities to be exposed even during the pandemic mm -hmm. to some of the things that were happening in the orphan care space or in the in the caring for vulnerable children you mentioned also girls who had been rescued from from sex trafficking and mm -hmm. different things like that yeah how did you feel about being given the opportunity to I guess, um, participate or be a part of those types of work and what did you think about orphanages at that time so it was really nerve-wracking initially because, you know, this um, the advocacy that we um, try to work for. It's really when you're when you're a part of it, it's something really like bigger than yourself. And you know that whatever you do, whatever you say to these girls and babies, it will really carry a lot of weight. And um, that's why the officers they really you know try to sort of market area visits as something fun. But you know, the more that you do it, the more that they really it really tugs on your heartstrings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I I look back on my um, college days as well, mm -hmm. and that having been the time in my life where I got exposed to a lot of things that were happening um, around vulnerable children as well. Mm -hmm. I was a member of Tagon, oh, like really? you, but I was a member of Tagon when I was in high school mm -hmm. um, in, in La Salzabel. Oh. Um, and it was when I went to college in Ateneo that I had the opportunity to, I think it was my NSTP or one of those activities that outreaches that I had. I was assigned to visit a maternity hospital mm -hmm. in Manila. And I was so shocked by some of the things I saw at that maternity hospital. Because I was, I, I was in close contact with a lot of vulnerable moms and a lot of vulnerable babies. Mm -hmm. Because in that hospital, I remember being, I was probably like 18, 19 years old, being asked several times while walking through the halls of this maternity ward if I would be willing to buy their babies. Mm -hmm. And I remember being just so shocked and that sticking with me and walking out of that, that facility thinking, I need to come back. What's happening here is, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. I couldn't believe what was happening. Not because of the institution, but just because of the social crisis that we were facing mm -hmm. around vulnerable moms. And then thinking, I should come back. I'm really going to come back. And I remember saying goodbye to some of the moms and saying, don't worry, we'll come back. We'll see how we can help you. Mm -hmm. And I never came back. Mm, um, yeah. And recently remembered, now doing the work that we do as Generations Home, it's been many, many, many years <laughs> since that time that I stepped foot in that place. And then having realized that we actually never, I actually never went back. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you're in your college years and as a student and a, you're being exposed to the world, mm -hmm. um, it does shake you um, when you see, um, but it's also so easy to forget. Yeah. Um, so can you relate to that feeling? And, you know, now having seen some of the things through your experiences with Tugon in the last couple of years, how has it changed you? Or, or how do you think it's positioning you now for, for how you're going to live your life? So um, actually, before we actually 
you know, start with our area visits, we're given like a short briefing, like a situation or kumbaga, and we're given like statistics, we're given right. um, different stories about different girls and babies. And it's one thing to know that it's a statistic and like it's something that's actually happening, yeah. but it's another to actually see the faces of the girls and babies that you know, are living these realities. And right. it's, and even though it, we know it to be a fact, it's another to think like, wow, an actual person that, you know, is living and breathing, has hopes and dreams for the world, is living in this crisis. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of value in seeing it firsthand, like yeah. you just said, right? And um, I know that we probably lured our listeners with a catchy title, like why you should <laughs> visit orphanages. But I do want to balance that as well with some other perspectives because like you said there's value in being able to see yeah what's happening in the world and if the only way for us to see is to visit orphanages to visit children's homes and institutional care facilities then i think seeing is very 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 important mm -hmm. one of my realizations is that in the philippines today we've become desensitized yeah. to the issues around us because sometimes we've seen too much We've seen too much that, you know, we just switch off and, and emotionally are become very detached from what's happening. But when you visit these orphanages, when you visit these children's homes, sometimes the value comes from being able to see and yeah. being able to like reawaken that compassion mm -hmm. for the vulnerable. Yeah. So with that, Nikki, maybe let's talk a little bit about that. You've been interning with us for, for several weeks now. Mm -hmm. And I was asking you, have your perspectives changed at all since those early visits to a children's home? What are you learning now about visiting children's homes and some of the, I guess, the downsides to that? Mm -hmm. Maybe you could share with us your, your thoughts on it. All right. So, yeah, I am learning quite a lot here. I'm learning about like the class. <laughs> um, Some real the, technical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like the adoption process, like the different kinds of adoption. And initially, Again, like I saw these just as, as facts. And the more that I got to know like some of the girls and babies, I realized that, you know, these are more things that they have to go through. And my initial um, perception about visiting children's homes, well, it's honestly because of the people that I was surrounded with, it was something that became more like an, an extracurricular rather than something that they personally feel really really strongly about like it's it's one thing to be like someone who's part of an org that advocates it's another to be an actual advocate and you know live That's your right. life accordingly right yeah yeah well I'm really glad you said that because sometimes we participate in advocacy activities mm -hmm. but actually miss out on actually advocating yeah for the vulnerable, mm -hmm. which is a very fine line, right? There's, you could, you could very easily be coming along, but really not making any significant change mm -hmm. in that place. Yeah. And that's the reason why we caution people today from visiting children's homes. We do that because we've found that in visiting children's homes, if the motivation is for me, to be able to do something good and charitable, then I would encourage you not to go. Because a lot of times we go into these institutions 
trying to do something charitable for the sake of doing something charitable or trying to do something nice for the sake of doing something nice Mm -hmm. when some of these things are not actually truly beneficial Mm -hmm. to the children that live there. I'll give you an example. There was one time where we, in our early days of starting the work of um, Generations Home or Foundation, we were looking around and we wanted to go to children's homes because we wanted to see Mm -hmm. the realities that you know, we're existing in children's homes. And we asked one place, like, it was Christmas time. And we thought, what a brilliant idea. It's <laughs> Christmas. Let's go and celebrate in a children's home, which I'm sure many of you listening would agree is a brilliant idea. I did not realize how misinformed we were mm-hmm. by that because we call the children's home and they, they, they go, okay, ma'am, I'll check my calendar of events. And she pulls up a calendar of events and I give her a date that worked for us because that was the date that we were available. And we said, oh, this is a date that works for me. Does that work for you? And she goes, "Um, well, only if you can make it between. And she gave me like a small time slot. Like only if you can make it between 2 and 4 p.m. Because we have a lunch at this time. Mm-hmm. And this group's coming to do a lunch. And then we had, you know, this happening in the evening. And so I thought, so you are going to do back-to-back events at these children's homes. and." We later on realized that this happens quite often, especially around Christmas time. Yeah. Because everybody feels like it's the time to do something charitable and, oh, maybe we should remember these children's homes. But when you talk to these kids, they're actually very exhausted by having to entertain visitors because they're expected to put on a performance or sing a song or do something. Mm -hmm. They're expected to eat their Jollibee spaghetti three times or four times that day. And while they enjoy it, they're like on their fourth box, they're like, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's when it clicked for me. I said, oh, I realize now that if the intention is just for me to be able to do something charitable, then we've completely missed the point. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to make visits to children's home meaningful, we should come in being clear about why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. What can we do that's beneficial? I'm wondering for you, Nikki, if you've ever had an encounter like that where you realize, oh, actually, that wasn't really beneficial Mm -hmm. and had thoughts about how maybe you could have made a better choice or made better decisions around visiting the home. Um, When it comes to visiting these homes, it's um, more often than not seen as a requirement because it's actually actually a requirement for all the members of Tagon to visit. And while it is, it is, you know, nice to actually, you know, participate and get to know the girls and babies in the specific area that you've committed to. Yeah. More often than not, it's, it's seen as something that's quite draining and something out of the way. Yes. Yeah. And another thing that, we in Tagon make sure to do or we we just we try our best to is to not promise that we're gonna come back because right. um it kinda can um trigger some of their like attachment yes. issues or their abandonment issues right. and that further contributes to you know the their, trauma. Yeah, their their trauma as orphaned or vulnerable children. Yeah. So I know children's homes that like you mentioned um, are aware of that. And so they'll say, you can come and play with our kids, but they do a briefing and they'll say, some of the things you shouldn't do with our kids. Um, you can, you know, there's healthy touch, but if you ask, you need to ask them first, like, oh, can yeah, I give consent. you a hug? Yeah. Like, would you like a hug? Yeah. If you don't want a hug, then that's fine. Yeah. Which we make the mistake sometimes of going into these homes and assuming that that's what the kids want or need. Yeah. And that might not be true. They'll also tell you, 
please don't bring any gifts. Mm-hmm. That if you wanted to channel gifts and you wanted to truly help, maybe the best way to do that is not to bring toys and games and, you know, goodie bags mm-hmm. and candy because we don't actually know whether that's helpful for this child or not. Yeah. But what would be helpful would be to maybe check in with those that run the home. You know, if I wanted to give something and I wanted to be a blessing to these kids, what can I give that's really meaningful or that they really need right now? Yeah. Right. And sometimes we don't ask these questions and we make assumptions. And here we are bringing the newest Barbie doll or Spider-Man <laughs> toy when actually yeah. what they really needed was like, nutritional meals Mm -hmm. or vitamins and some of even their most basic needs were not yet met. Mm -hmm. And so I think asking those questions is really important. Mm -hmm. And then also having boundaries around, you know, how you're going to interact with the kids because you're right. It is very triggering. And the mistake that most people make is they say, don't worry, babalik ako. My mistake, right? (laughs) In that first institution I talked about. I promise you I'll come back. You know, I will. I'm so moved by what I saw today. I will come back. And many times, a lot of people say this and they don't ever come back. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that for a child who has been abandoned already by their biological family, you are teaching them how to fail at trusting people who show them kindness and compassion. And and you're making it hard for them to know what kind of people are safe and what kind of people aren't. Mm -hmm. Because all they grew up knowing is that everybody promises to come back for me, but nobody actually does. Yeah. And that's extremely painful. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think when we talk about why you should visit a children's home. Maybe do you have, Nikki, you can share some of your thoughts because you've been working with us for a while. And we've talked about the value of seeing. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? So it is quite good to visit children's homes because you get to know the children's stories. You get to know more about them and how these stories play such a... They are um, part of the grander scheme of the of the crisis right but it's also important to know that while it's good to know more about the kids it's also important to ask like the people who run the facility like oh are are they okay is there anything that we need or um you can i remember one of the earlier episodes of this podcast you recommended that when you visit a children's home you ask about like the children's class yeah right Yeah, because one of the things that I think is often misunderstood about orphanages is that the more children you have, the healthier the orphanage or like the the better the orphanage. But from my perspective, as somebody who has been, you know, as our team gets deeper into this work of advocating for vulnerable children, we've actually come to discover that some of the healthier organizations, some of the healthier children's homes are those with a high turnover of kids, Mm -hmm. meaning the kids... Maybe a lot of them come in, but a lot of them should also be coming out. And getting their own, their families. And being adopted. Yeah. Yeah. Or being fostered because otherwise they're just stuck in institutional care, which is the last thing that we want to happen for these kids. Yeah. Because it contributes to the cycle. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, when when we talk about this, um, we want to be very clear that there are lots of reasons why you should not visit children's homes. And a lot of that has to do with your motivation. 
and your intentions for it. So if the intention is personal, um, to be able to do something charitable, to be able to celebrate your birthday or, and, and that'd be the only purpose. Yeah. Then, um, we'd be, we'd love to get into a conversation with you to explore what else is possible. But if your goal is to see and be exposed and to have a greater awareness of what's happening in the world, we highly encourage mm-hmm. that you look at visiting orphanages and doing that within safe boundaries where mm-hmm. it is really truly beneficial mm-hmm. for the kids. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about is what are the alternatives? Like, what else can you do? How else can you advocate for children if not going to children's homes? Mm Because you mentioned that sometimes, you know, you can be part of these advocacy activities, but not actually advocating for them. Mm -hmm. So what else is possible for you as a student? What would you say? So other than visiting these children's homes, it's because we've discussed before that advocacy is more than just like attending events or participating in, in area visits. It's, it's really important that we engage in conversations that end the stigma about adoption and children's homes because people need to be informed. They really need to be informed about the realities behind children's homes and the orphan crisis as a whole. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm so inspired by you, Nikki, because you've taken that, you know, 10 steps further than the average person in saying that I've been involved and I've seen the good. I've also seen the areas where we could do better. And you're like, you're super committed to walking that out and seeing, you know, how else can we continue to make the way we advocate for vulnerable children better given wherever you are right now. And as a student, I think that's so inspiring for me. Thank you, Ms. Krina. Thank you, because I just feel like, you know, I wish that I knew better when I was a student. And I look back on that day when I was walking through that maternity hospital and made promises that I didn't keep and was so heartbroken, but so quickly forgot the heartbreak that I felt when I was within that facility. And so, you know, I'm trying to make up for that today, but but I'm just inspired that you are starting that in a much healthier way for yourself Mm -hmm. and that as a student, you found ways to advocate and to bring like your friends and your course mates and the people in your circle along with you on that journey of caring for vulnerable children. Mm -hmm. So before we close, I just wanted to say, Nikki, what's your advice for people who are listening today and they're like, oh, I was about to visit. I really wanted to visit an orphanage. (laughs) Like, what should I do now? What's the good middle ground if I I care and I want to do something meaningful? Mm -hmm. What can I do? Other than, you know, being like an active um, advocate and learning more about the, the crisis, you can reach out to different um, child placement agencies as well and be like, you know, how can I help? Or um, are there any events that I can attend that can further my, my knowledge about the, about the advocacy? Perfect. Yeah. And so we at Generations Home do that. We have our Family as the Answer events that happen. And we usually see a good combination of like young people and young professionals who just want to know how they can get better at serving the community and also the families that are considering adopting or fostering. And so we have events like that. We also have, as you know, through Nikki, a really vibrant internship program (laughs) and volunteer program. And so if you're listening today and you're saying, that is me, I care and I want to make sure that the way that I serve 
the vul- this vulnerable community is meaningful, that it's sustainable, that it's um, actually helping and beneficial to those who really need it, then please get in touch with us. You can reach out to us directly on our socials and through our email address or website. And we would be happy to bring you along with us on this journey. So thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much, Ms. Krina. Thanks for uh, doing this podcast with me. For everybody listening, we will catch you again on another episode of the Family is the Answer podcast. Bye. Bye. That was the Family is the Answer podcast by Generations Home, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Learn more about ending the orphan crisis and fueling our work through our website, generationshome.org. You can also find us on social media. We're generations.home.connect on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave us a rating so more people can find it too. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you at our next episode. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.